This is the Truth Hurts Program. Hello and welcome once again to the Truth Hurts Program, the program that tells it like it is, exposes the lies of the left, the hype, the hypocrisy of the Democratic Party in America, and yes, once in a while we'll even call out a bad Republican or two. But right now I want to focus on a Newsweek article written by Anna Skinner. It says, Is the U.S. headed for a gas shortage? I'm not going to read this entire article. If you'd like to look it up in Newsweek Online, you can. It begins, though, by saying Americans have experienced a tumultuous few years in regards to gasoline prices, and 2023 does not appear to be shaping up any differently. The article goes on to talk about both ends of the spectrum with record low gasoline prices by comparison to the rate of inflation under Donald Trump and record high gasoline prices under Joe Biden. It talks about all of the different reasons why they're currently anticipating what is going to be called Joe Biden's energy crisis part two. They begin trying to pass the buck of blame away from Biden by stating that Bloomberg published an article on Monday trying to explain that the European Union has banned fuel imports from Russian crude oil and that ban will take effect later this month. They then say that the U.S. will see an impact specifically along the East Coast. According to the Bloomberg article, U.S. oil supplies are already low, which often relied on imported oil for its supplies at the refineries along the East Coast. Bloomberg anticipates a price hike in gasoline and diesel, sparking more financial stress for already stressed out Americans. And it will, of course, cause more problems for gropey Joe Biden as he begins the last half of his presidency. I like the optimism in that article. The last half of his presidency. They didn't say the last half of his first term. They are proper in saying the last half of Joe Biden's presidency. But some experts disagree with the predictions. For example, AAA has a spokesman named Andrew Gross. He told Newsweek in an email that when used to describe gasoline trends, the word shortage is a loaded word. He says gasoline supply can grow tight regionally. And you're going to love this part. He says, there has never been a gasoline shortage in the U.S. I think Jimmy Carter would disagree. Oh, that's right. We proved that there was no gasoline shortage during Jimmy Carter's disastrous four years as the president. This expert, Andrew Gross, also said he advises against making predictions months in advance in the gasoline supply. He said there is simply no way you can forecast what's going to happen or not happen three months out. It's funny though, when Joe Biden took office, I accurately predicted that if he took office, there would be gasoline shortages and a war on domestic oil and gas production. And I was right more than three months out. And I've been right for the last two years of the Biden presidency. Now, Gas Buddies head of petroleum analysis, Patrick D. Hahn, agreed that the gas supply will tighten as the year progresses and directly blames the EU ban. But he does not want to be quick to assume this will occur in conjunction with a shortage. Despite surging fears throughout America of another shortage and higher prices, gas, gasoline, and diesel, and by gas I meant natural gas, will still be at the forefront of American worries as Joe Biden's inflation continues to plague our country. 
GasBuddy's website had a blog published over the weekend, and it said that for the fifth straight week, average gasoline prices under Joe Biden have again increased. The most recent increase was 10 cents per gallon, and the national average is once again well above 350 per gallon, according to AAA. Over the last month, just 30 days, Joe Biden's economy has caused the gasoline price at the pump for regular unleaded to increase more than 33 cents per gallon. And when compared to a year ago, prices on average 14 cents higher per gallon. Diesel prices around the country are now averaging closer to $5 a gallon than $4 per gallon. And this is all Joe Biden's doing. It's all Joe Biden and the Democrats' fault. Do not let them blame anyone because the blame lies squarely with this administration. Steve Newcam writes in The Hill, Hunter Biden's attorneys are calling for criminal probes into the figures involved in disseminating the laptop contents, according to reports. Now, this is hilarious. These are the same lawyers who claim the laptop didn't exist. Then they claim that the laptop was made up Russian disinformation. Then they said, no, it's really Hunter Biden's laptop. And now his attorneys are crying, saying they want to probe into the people involved in disseminating the laptop's information. Guess what? The laptop was abandoned after attempts were made to get it back to Hunter Biden by the laptop repair guy. It went into the lost and found bin. And therefore, it is public record, public domain. But Hunter Biden lawyers are now requesting that federal and state investigators begin looking into those who accessed and spread his personal data from what he's now calling his stolen laptop. Rudy Giuliani and a number of allies of former President Trump in a series of letters sent Wednesday are now the subject of what these lawyers hope becomes a probe. The letters to the Attorneys General of Delaware, the Department of Justice, and the IRS allege that a number of right-wing figures trafficked the information that was stolen from Biden's stolen laptop and then used it to weaponize attacks against him and his family. Let me just put it to you this way. If tomorrow you turned in your laptop to a repair guy in a cocaine-addled binge, and then you abandoned it there and you never came back for it, and some kind of way the laptop repairman saw, holy crap, there's some illegal, illicit, immoral, unethical, unlawful, whatever activity on this laptop, and I have a duty to report it to federal, state, and or local authorities. Once that information goes into the federal, state, and or local authorities database, it becomes public record. I can FOIA that information. He is only mad and his lawyers are only pissed because Biden got caught with his hand not only in the cookie jar, but in some prostitute's lady parts. This is the first time that Biden's legal team has publicly acknowledged that it was his personal data that was found on an abandoned laptop at a Delaware repair shop. So they've admitted it. And every item on that laptop should be investigated and put out there for the public to know what a depraved, sick, twisted individual Hunter Biden is and what criminal dealings he had with his father, your president. The offensive against his agitators marks a new strategy in Biden's team of lawyers as they maneuver around to try and save face because the House of Representatives have now teed up their investigation not only into the president's son, but his brother, the president himself, 
his wife, and all of his business associates. In the letter to the Delaware Attorney General, it's an accusation that John Paul Mac Isaac, the owner of the repair shop where the laptop was abandoned, he's accused of accessing the computer in an unauthorized manner. They say then he distributed it to the New York Post before the 2020 election. It's funny though, Biden's, Hunter Biden's lawyers and the White House spent many, many months trying to deny that the laptop even existed. And then when it was found to have existed, they said it was Russian disinformation. And then they just went hush-hush for a long time. I hope Hunter Biden rots in a federal prison with his daddy along with him. And there's nothing wrong with me wanting that. It's called quid pro quo, Joe. And this is the Truth Hurts program. Way out west in California, they want to strong arm their neighbors into cutting water usage. California is basically a desert. It is. If it hadn't been for people out there settling it, digging wells, making their own man-made lakes and such, California would be pretty much on the southern end, at least, as dry as any other desert. And as California continues to bear the brunt of their terrible water storage policies, they're now asking its neighbor states to cut their water usage so that there is more left to run into California for Californians to misuse. Seven states rely on the Colorado River for their water, and all seven states that rely on the Colorado River missed the deadline last year given to them by the U.S. Bureau of Reclamation to explain how they will use 15 to 30 percent less water. Six of those states, Arizona, Colorado, Nevada, New Mexico, Utah, and Wyoming, reached an agreement this year, but not California. California thinks they're special. They think they're better than everybody else, and they don't have to comply. The Golden State decided they were going to release their own plan because uh, according to the plan from the other states, California would see big water cuts. You see, the other states account for about one and a half million acre feet of water that the Colorado lost to evaporation and to transportation. California's plan does not. Under California's plan, they want Arizona and Nevada to see the biggest cuts. California thinks they shouldn't have to cut much at all. They're entitled to water, you see. California went as far as to float the idea of cutting off major cities in other states from the river's water supply, including Las Vegas and Phoenix. Colorado River accounts for 90% of Las Vegas's water supply and 40% of Phoenix, Arizona's water supply. Of course, while California tries to saddle other states with bigger water cuts, the state has treated the water storage in their own state borders with contempt. Environmentalist groups and state Democrats oppose building new dams and pumps that would move water south to the Central Valley and Los Angeles, even as the state uses its Central Valley farmers as their justification for cutting off Colorado River water access for the other states. And just to show you how arrogant the California folks are, storing rainwater is something state leaders are only now reconsidering after record storms passed last week. A reservoir with $2.7 billion in funding that was already approved by the voters in 2014 has not even begun. It has no future in sight thanks to the state's environmental regulations and mountains and mountains of red tape. Even seawater desalination plants, you know, the plants that take the salt out of the seawater, they're considered taboo because supposedly they're not environmentally friendly. So California is going to continue to focus on strong-arming smaller states into cutting their water demands. 
And there's nothing stopping California Democrats from fixing the state's water problems within its own borders, other than their adherence to the ludicrous positions supported by state environmentalist nutjobs. Getting Arizona and Nevada to cut their water use so Californians can avoid cutting their water use might be a short-term solution. But the state's water storage and usage troubles will only be fixed when the state's Democrats decide to treat the issue of water shortage in their desert as something real, present, and of course, dangerous. This next headline I hinted at on the last edition of the Truth Hurts program, Newsweek writes, lack of documents at Joe Biden's home sparks a new conspiracy theory. After the FBI search returned no classified documents at the Rehoboth Beach, Delaware vacation home of Joe Biden, Jesse Waters on Fox News suggested the president may have been tipped off in advance about the visit from the feds. Commenting on the search on Wednesday on the Jesse Waters primetime show, it was alleged that Biden or someone flew to his beach house with a bucket of bleach and a book of matches ahead of the FBI search. He said, quote, you don't think Joe knew the FBI was going to hit the beach house next? Unquote. Two weeks after Joe scrubbed his second home, the FBI shows up for a search. And what do you know? They didn't find any classified documents. I mentioned that, and I hadn't even read this Fox article, nor had I watched it. For those of you who need to know, and it's really, I don't need to justify myself to any of you, I've been accused of sitting there and watching Fox News and taking notes. I don't watch any of the national news programs. I don't watch CBS, NBC, MSNBC, ABC, CNN, or Fox News. I just don't. I rely on research from other, in my opinion, more reputable news agencies like, I'm ashamed to say, Al Jazeera and BBC, amongst others. I get my American news from foreign sources primarily because they're generally more accurate and less biased. They're more inclined to give you the facts and the figures than they are to register an opinion. And yes, once in a while I will quote something from a CNN or a Fox. It's because I read it on the internet, did my due diligence, did my research, and verified that of which I speak. Okay, enough about that personal rant. The Independent News website says Goldberg, Whoopi is in hot waters again after a controversial statement. Whoop-de-doo Goldberg is a co-host on The View, and she's once again placed herself in the midst of a controversy. This time she flapped her gums on race during a segment of the show, and it has sparked debate and division amongst the audiences. Her controversial statement was made in the response to the tragic death of this guy, Tyree King. That's what the article says, Tyree King. But it's Tyree Nichols who was beaten by police and later died in the hospital three days later. Even the writers of this article don't have, apparently, editors to verify. It's not Tyree King, it's Tyree Nichols. Anyway, regardless, she says... This emphasizes the need for law enforcement reform, arguing it is logical for authorities to stop using excessive force against civilians, regardless of whether they are suspected of committing a crime. Hmm. What do you consider excessive force, whoop-de-doo Goldberg? A right-wing Twitter user posted recently about Goldberg's remarks and called for her termination from The View. Of course, ABC and The View would never terminate their cash cow. The user claims that ABC, the network that runs the show, should take action. In her post, Goldberg was questioned about her stance on law enforcement reform and whether the change she advocates for will only occur if authorities start using excessive force against white people. Let me read this. Please quote accurately. Whoopi Goldberg said, and I quote, 
Do we need to see white people also get beaten before anybody will do anything? I'm not suggesting that, so don't write us and tell me what a racist I am, unquote. Duke Selden writes in response, Ah, so it's okay to suggest white people getting beaten is a possible solution. Nothing to see here. This coming from the side that's ready to cancel an announcer who uses the term guerrilla warfare because it might sound like he's calling a black player a guerrilla. Gotcha. Whoop-dee-doo Goldberg, a black woman who culturally appropriated a Jewish person's name so that she could get jobs, she says, should be fired from The View. Should have been fired years and years ago. Now, if you don't think Whoop-dee-doo Goldberg said this, take a listen from The View. When will the brutality finally lead to some police reform from the ground up because clearly it doesn't matter if it's a white policeman or a black policeman it is a problem in the police and the policing yes. itself you know seems things don't seem to make sense to people unless it's somebody they can feel or they can recognize mm -hmm. but how many times do we have to do we need to see white people also get beaten before anybody will do anything i'm not suggesting that so don't write us and tell me what a you know what a racist i am do we need to see white people also get beaten before anybody will do anything do we need to see white people also get beaten before anybody will do anything white people also get beaten before anybody will do anything do we need to see white people also get beaten before anybody will do anything do we need to see white people also get beaten before anybody will do anything I'm not suggesting that so don't write us and tell me what a you know what a racist i am and tell me what a you know what a racist i am and tell me what a you know what a racist i am um miss whoopty doo yeah um what you said on the air today was very hurtful to the jewish community yeah and that's who runs the network and that's who pays your salary so so they want you suspended for two weeks for being a racist and a bigot and an anti-semitic person oh they do do they do they not know i'm an influencer well they do that's why you're not being fired and blacklisted you know like we did to roseanne whatever jew ain't even a race only blacks can be the victim of racism oh well i've got my millions i got Roseanne can, so I'm good. That's a dog whistle, Ms. Goldberg. You just whistled the dog whistle. You want to see white people get beaten. You and all of your African-American citizens. You can't wait to see whitey get beaten, put in chains, made into a slave. Don't pretend that's not your end game, your end goal. You guys want to start this reparations crap all over again so you can gain enough money to find a way to put whitey down. After all, you put $5 million in every black person's hand in California. What does that do to the economy for the white people who don't make $5,000 a year or $50,000? It's all about revenge for black people. That's what it's always been about since Dr. Martin Luther King came out and lied saying he wanted peaceful demonstrations. That was a dog whistle word. It was peaceful demonstrations. Wink, wink, wink. We know what you're all about, Whoopi Goldberg, and you need to be dismissed from your role in The View. The Biden administration is currently under fire for wanting to censor people who don't support gender transition for children. From the publication Mama Say What, Claire Conway writes, a leaked video of Health and Human Services assistant Rachel Levine reveals a push for alleged experts to encourage tech companies to censor individuals who believe gender transitions in children is somehow wrong. The video goes back to May of 2022, 
but it only gained attention since the new year. In the video, Richard Levine, who goes by the name Rachel Levine, an ugly, fat, gray-haired old fool who claims to be a transgender, but apparently has never whacked off his beans and franks, so he still pees standing up, is focusing on what he, she, it calls gender-affirming care. The positive value of gender-affirming care for youth and adults is not in scientific or medical dispute, Levine said. Really? I'm disputing it. Doctors around the globe are disputing it. You give a child hormone blockers, puberty blockers that stop their body from doing what their body was designed in nature to do, grow into either the boy or the girl, the man or the woman that their biology says must occur, you are definitely screwing that individual up. Levine then implored tech companies to help foster what he, she, it calls a healthier, cleaner information environment and said we need to use our clinician's voice to collectively advocate for our tech companies to create a healthier, cleaner information environment, unquote. But everything comes to the light of the day in the sunshine. Ever since the release of the Twitter files, Americans have become very much more wary of the government working in tandem with social media companies under the disguise that they are doing what is for the greater good. You know, communism, socialism. The sentiment is especially true now that journalist David Zweig revealed that the Biden administration did put pressure on Twitter to dole out punishment to anyone who spread what they called misinformation about the China virus. The censorship process for any content labeled misinformation was not at all objective. It was subjective and subject to the judgment by members of the administration, regardless of whether it was correct or not. Similar opinions have been expressed on the topic of transgenderism. There's an ongoing debate on whether or not the states should be preventing minors from receiving the lie known as gender-affirming surgeries. In other words, sex changes. Many believe that this surgery is self-mutilation and that children are not mentally developed enough to make such a drastic decision for themselves. After all, think about this. A person is supposedly not mentally able to decide at 16 whether he or she can buy a pack of cigarettes. So because that age is deemed too young to make a conscious decision about smoking, children are not allowed to buy cigarettes. The same thing goes for alcoholic beverages and lottery tickets. It's the same reason people under the age of 21 are not allowed to gamble in casinos in many states, 18 and others. So how is it okay for a child to be coerced by some sick, twisted, degenerate freak into saying, you don't really want to be a little boy, do you, Billy? We're going to cut off your penis and your testicles. Then we're going to shoot these needles into your arms for years and years. We're going to let you grow boobies. Then we're going to mutilate your genitalia area into making you a fake vagina. How does that feel? People have pointed out accurately that there is no evidence to support the theory that somehow destroying one's genitals will make them feel better about themselves. There is, however, evidence mountains of evidence to suggest that the surgery creates long-term physical and mental health issues in those who received so-called gender-affirming surgery as minors. 
When will our nation get the message? We are destroying entire generations of children. Not only the few that get this mutilation surgery, but all of the others who are tricked, fooled, and lied to into believing that it's okay somehow to destroy your body, to mutilate your body. Hell, I was a fingernail biter as a kid. I took enough crap from my grandparents, my parents, my brothers, my teachers, and my friends. I can't imagine tearing off my junk because someone else told me it will make me feel better about myself. This is the Truth Hurts program. Washington Examiner writes, Now that it's obvious Democrats were lying about Georgia's election law, do their media accomplices feel duped? The Democrats never believed it, not for a second. They claim that the Georgia 2021 voting reform bill amounted to racist disenfranchisement. We all now know that that was a lie. And they told the lie because it gave them a political advantage and because they knew the media would play along. Now that it's obvious the Democrats' attacks on Georgia's voting law were 100% false, the question is, will reporters and editors who fell for the lie of the Democratic Party have a reckoning? Joe Biden, you might recall, said it was worse than Jim Crow. Countless other Democrats said the same thing. They should have known better because the law codified expanded early voting and drop box voting. Voting under the 2021 Georgia law may have been slightly curtailed from the pandemic emergency voting rules, but the law did expand the right to vote from the prior law. It made it much easier than voting is even in Delaware or in New York. The lies about the Georgia voting law began to crumble in March of 2022 when the polls came out, showing that 70% of people support laws requiring voters to show ID. In fact, only 13% of voters said that voting was too difficult. That 13% was probably all news reporters and Democrats, and they were proven wrong just a few weeks later. In the 2022 Republican and Democratic primaries in Georgia, all sorts of turnout records were shattered. Democrats on the news media claimed the GOP was making early voting too hard and would keep black people and poor people from the polls, yet primary voters doubled the previous record of early voters. Overall, Georgia set its own record for midterm primary turnout in the first election after that supposed Jim Crow law went into effect. Then came early voting numbers from the general election. Same story. The Washington Examiner's editorial from the time laid out the lies that were already exposed. It said, quote, They claimed this law would shorten voting hours, which was a lie. They claimed it banned so-called drop boxes which were actually illegal already, when in fact it mandated properly secured drop boxes under 24-hour surveillance in all 159 Georgia counties. They claimed without credible evidence that voting ID requirements are discriminatory. In reality, the law used voter ID to replace the highly subjective and unfair process of signature matching on absentee ballots. They claimed falsely that the law would ban giving water to people waiting in line to vote. Then election day came, and saw record voter turnout. Whites, blacks, Hispanics, Asians, Native Americans, males, and females, which was to be expected considering the new law made it easier to vote in the state of Georgia. The lies kept coming and the lies kept crumbling. In the December runoff election, turnout was high despite a depressed Republican base. In January, more evidence amassed that accusations against the Georgia election laws were indeed bogus. Specifically, black voters the one Biden promised were being disenfranchised, told pollsters that voting was great. Zero percent of blacks described their voting experience as poor. Over 96 percent of blacks deemed their voting experience was excellent or good. 
A total of 99.5% of black voters did not name a problem while voting under this new supposed Jim Crow law. Just eight-tenths of 1% thought their county's election officials performed poorly. The final piece of the Democrat lie that proves they weren't just wrong, they were outright lying. Democrats, after declaring that this new Georgia voting law was so evil that the all-star game couldn't be held there, now say Georgia's fine for the Democratic National Convention. So what's going on? Guy Benson was exactly correct. The Democrats never believed the lie. The thing is, much of the media seemed to believe the Georgia voting reform was disenfranchisement. At the very least, they took the Democrats' dishonest accusations at face value. So now that the lies are exposed, do you think the media will have the balls to reconsider their behavior and apologize for the lies that they told? I doubt it. Okay, my friends, it looks like we've run out of time for this February 2nd edition of the Truth Hurts program. The groundhog saw his shadow six more weeks of winter. Such a shame. I was looking forward to an early spring. Anyway, I don't believe in rodents. I don't believe what rodent forecasters have to say. I sure don't believe most of the time what the well-dressed weather forecasters on television have to say. So I'm certainly not going to rely on the prediction of a well-scripted rodent. Oh, and by the way, six more weeks of frigid, brutal, cold winter? I thought we were in the midst of global warming. <laughs> Make it a great day, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye for now. Thank you for listening to the Truth Hurts program with Steve Z. Opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. I apologize if you were offended, but I retract nothing. Background music by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. This program was pre-recorded. Thank you.